Welcome to this podcast produced by Imagine, an online source focusing on early childhood music therapy. Imagine is sponsored by the American Music Therapy Association and can be found on the web at www.imagine.musictherapy.biz. This podcast is entitled Not One Day Without a Smile, Music Therapy in Early Childhood Education, an interview with Marsha Hampo by Petra Kahn. This podcast has been previously published in Music Therapy Today, Volume 6, Issue 3, in July 2005. In the early childhood and music therapy literature, you will find an outstanding person, Marsha Hampel. Through her writings, passion and devotion to very young children and their families, she is very well known among music therapists and other professionals working in the field of early childhood education. Marsha has a special interest in inclusion of children in their natural environments and believes strongly in the benefits of music for individuals of all ability levels. Her research, reports and sharing of many years of experiences are testimony of the knowledgeable, warm and generous person who stands behind these beliefs. Marsha is currently employed by the Cuyahoga County Board of Mental Retardation and Developmental Disabilities in Cleveland, Ohio, United States of America. Her primary responsibilities are working with children from ages 1 to 5 and their families. Marsha's commitment to the field of music therapy is evident in her involvement in many committees and boards. She is the chairperson of the American Music Therapy Association's Affiliate Relations Committee, the co-chair of AMTA's Early Childhood Network, and was an editorial board member of Early Childhood Connections. Marsha has served on the AMT Executive Board and on the editorial board of Music Therapy Perspectives. Her most recent assignment is to edit and write for AMTA's Best Practice in Music Therapy, Early Childhood and School Age Monograph. During my doctoral studies, I contacted Marsha several times to ask her for resources and to discuss issues related to music therapy in early childhood education in the United States with her. It was then when the idea was born to share her ideas and knowledge in an interview. Finally, at the 6th annual AMTA conference in Austin, Texas in November 2004, we met and talked about the role and impact of music therapy in early childhood education. Marsha is among the special individuals who inspired me along my music therapy journey with young children and their families. Enjoy the interview. Welcome, Marsha. Thank you. Marsha, how can music therapy make a difference in the lives of young children and their families? Well, I think music therapy um, provides a unique opportunity for children of all abilities to shine. It's a place where they can use any type of response to make music and they will be accepted. And, and that's a wonderful thing for families to observe also because it may be the only place where families can enjoy their children in a normal way, doing normal things in a world that to them maybe is not normal in any other aspect. So I think also with music therapy in young children, you know, music's a natural part of the child's world. It's a great tool to use buy into this part of the child's world that is touched by music. So therefore, maybe music therapy is the therapy that reinforces all other therapies. Many people are always asking what the difference is between 
music therapy and music education. What is your answer to this question? Historically and traditionally, I guess I'd say that music education usually focuses on the music per se, whereas music therapy, of course, does focus on the music, but it also focuses on how music can be used to reach non-musical goals. A lot of times the music therapy classes for young children of course are individual specific and not just based are not just curriculum driven or not just based on the musical experience but it's using the music to pick out what the individual child needs and to build on that i think also we have to look at how the music therapist is able to adapt all these musical experiences to the specific individual functioning level of each child and and that's something that music therapists do very well Music educators, of course, can do this well, too, and, and I don't want to step on any toes there because many of our colleagues in music education are, are wonderful clinicians. But the whole emphasis is in music therapy is on how to reach the child through music to attain non-musical ends. So I want to add one question here because there are really good early childhood music programs out there and actually their focus is also on social skills, communication skills, physical abilities. So what's really the difference then? This is so right, but it oftentimes perhaps our two fields really do blend and they blend well. Music therapists many times are able to add those adaptations for physical disabilities, for uh, addressing motor problems. But in early childhood, I think we really have a blend of philosophies. And if you're looking at the whole child, which is best practices in early childhood education, you probably are going to have some very big similarities between music therapy programs in early childhood and the um, established early childhood music education programs. What is the philosophy of music therapy in early childhood educational settings and what actually makes the difference in providing other music therapy services to other populations? I think I just mentioned about the merging of philosophies, but that's a two-way street because not only are we teaching our colleagues in other professions about music therapy, we should be gaining information from them. Well, this is very, very evident in early childhood best practices. Developmentally appropriate practices is certainly highly regarded as a best practice methodology in the field. With this philosophy, it's looking at the individual, it's looking at the child, but it's looking at how the child learns through play. We cannot set up our sessions well in advance. We have to task analyze what the child is doing and know what the next step might be on a task analysis to bump up the child, but that's not a guarantee that that child wants to go in that direction. So we can set up the environment, for instance, but uh, we have to go with the child and know play strategies. And this is an area that many times music therapists aren't really trained in college in early childhood methodology. So it, it is a place where we probably need to get more information out to members of our field in the college settings about how to actually work with very young children because it is very different to work with very young children than it is working with school-age children, for instance. The developmental levels are different. The way they learn is different. They learn through play. So this whole idea of a play-based approach is oftentimes very foreign to music therapists. Mm -hmm. Which music therapy techniques do you use in the settings? 
the first thing that comes to mind always with me is uh, pace and pausing and repetition, those three things. There again, following the child's lead or the children if you are working in a group setting to keep the pace going. Sometimes little ones have a 10-second attention span and sometimes an activity will just go on and on and on and they will do things and they'll do things and they'll do things. And as music therapists working with this age group, we just can't forget that children learn through repetition. And uh, another strategy that is always used is we need to be aware of the massive importance of setting up the environment appropriately. Not too busy, but yet stimulating making sure the environment is set up to allow a child to experience, to be able to repeat what he or she is doing, but also then eventually to to bump up, to expand that experience. Because I work with so many children with special needs, and usually it's in an inclusion setting, um, I do structure my settings somewhat. I try to have a gathering area for older children that might be carpet squares. For the toddlers I work with, I have a big Mickey Mouse quilt I throw down on the the floor, and that means that I'm right there on the floor with them. Mm-hmm. Getting in children's faces, big smiles, expressive eyes. Uh, when working with interns, I always say, you cannot do this sitting in a chair. You have to be down there with them. You have to be playing with them. You have to make it expressive. Uh, your face has to tell the stories and overemphasize things. We would always do some type of, of using some form of singing or using the voice. And for some children with special needs, using the voice might be uh, using a Big Mac switch for augmentative communication. It might be simply making a, a vocalization. Whereas for another child, it might be singing the entire song. But we let children sing in a variety of ways. We do some type of playing with instruments or with found sounds or with props. We do always some type of listening, and that's a skill that children need to learn as far as a school readiness skill and as a member of polite society to listen when people talk and listen when people sing and play and to take turns. And we do some form of moving. It's those four categories I try to do. Since you're involved in the field of early childhood intervention, what have been the biggest change in providing music therapy service for young children and their families? I think today parents are more aware of and value music experiences for their young children than when I first started out in the field. Television, radio, and written materials have just certainly touted the value of music, some of it oversimplified in my opinion about uh, music makes you smarter. I think that's pretty much of an oversimplification. (laughs) But the one good thing that has come out of that is that people are now aware of all the different ways music may be used. There are a lot of, as you mentioned, commercial programs out there for young children that uh, are music-based. So people are aware that it's a good thing to have children involved in music. And and that's that's a change from country, from what's what was going on, say, 15 years ago. You really had to search to find music experiences for young children. And you also wrote about some initiations which support music for children. Can you talk about that Uh, a little bit? I was very fortunate to be a part of the Sesame Street uh, Music Workshops program called Music Works Wonders. It was a great project. And Sesame Street has been a leader in children's programming for a long time, and they do it very well, in my opinion. I had 
had the opportunity to lead an early childhood institute and ran into uh, one of the vice presidents at Sesame Street, Sandra Jordan, and she thought the world of her experiences here at music therapy conferences and one thing led to another and she contacted the national office and Andy Farbman said, well, if you're going to do a project, we'd love to have a music therapist represent our field on your project. And I was fortunate enough to be asked to go to Sesame Street and to to work with them on this project. It was a great initiative. Those folks and all the other experts from early childhood, music education, school, I think the National School Boards Association had representatives there, and Texaco underwrote some of this. They were all very, very interested in the effects that music could have uh, on non-musical aspects of a child's education. And from that initiative came, and that project, came a video, Music Works Wonders, done both in Spanish and in English, and guides for parents and daycare providers as to how to use music throughout the child's day and what you can do to make this a joyous experience for children. I'm real proud of that project. It really was well done. How are music therapy services currently delivered in early intervention, early childhood, special education? Traditionally, when working with young children, I think music therapy, the first mode is the the direct service one-on-one individual model, whereas a child has some significant needs that music therapy can help remedy and help assist that they might go to a music therapy private practice or to a community music school settlement or a public school and ask that the child be given one-on-one music therapy. And of course, we do still see that service delivery model, but more and more, Uh, we will see music in preschool settings, music therapy in early childhood special education classes. You'll see music therapists doing family child, parent-child programs, oftentimes working in tandem with early intervention specialists. I think you and I have really had a lot of nice conversations on the idea of collaborative consultation, and to me that is a fantastic area of opportunity for not only those who receive our services, but for us as professionals, as we try to learn more about these little ones and how they learn and and, uh, how we can use music to let them better progress through all the objectives they're trying to work on. Well, that brings us actually to the next question, which is what role do caregivers and teachers play, and are they involved in the therapeutic process? They should be very involved because they're the ones that know the children best. I like to get a handle on the children I work with by talking with their teachers, by their other therapists, maybe by sending a parent survey home if I don't have the opportunity because of time constraints to work with the parents. I like to find out about as much about it, what the child likes to do in his or her natural environment, be that the classroom, uh, the therapy setting, I mean the other therapy setting, or the home. We are using more and more collaboration in all aspects of early childhood which can do nothing but help young children so that they can learn things. You can have the same material presented in different ways. And when you experience things through a a multi-sensory modality, the child is, of course, learning that material better. So the teachers and the caregivers, get back to your basic questions, I, I think music therapists can also collaborate with caregivers and with teachers to to give them ideas, to give them strategies, 
to give them examples of, of music to use within the classroom setting so that teachers and family can feel spontaneous with the children, that it becomes natural to help children learn and to enjoy them in their play because a child's world is filled with and fueled by play. So what do you think is the current status of music therapy in the field of early intervention, early childhood special education? Where do we stand there as a profession? I hear more and more music therapists, especially young music therapists, tell me they, they are working in early childhood settings and in early intervention settings, and also out in hospital settings with young children. I think it's a tough field to enter into full-time. It is a growing field for music uh, therapists because early intervention people are are starting to learn more about us. I think they want to know more about us. And that, of course, means we need to be able to sell ourselves. We have to tell what we're all about. And we advocate. Have to, and advocate, definitely. What about the reimbursement? Well, that is a problem because music therapy is not spelled out, per se, as a related service. American Music Therapy Association is really working hard to get this change, but it is very difficult to influence federal legislation. It was just a call for action this yes. Monday. Yes, mm -hmm. and uh, so we keep trying. I'd like to see that happen. That would make a big difference in uh, service provision for music therapy if we could become a designated related service. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about research. Okay. What kind of evidence do we have that music therapy has a positive impact on the lives of young children and their families? There have been numerous studies written within the music therapy journals Journal of Music Therapy and Music Therapy Perspectives uh, that talk about things like pre-reading and writing skills are enhanced by the use of music. That was Jane Stanley and Jane Hughes' uh, research, and recently that was replicated by Dina Register with the same results that, yes, music therapy does have a positive influence on the pre-reading and writing um, skills of young children. Which goes right along with the no child left behind. Yes, yes. And brings up another point. I think we really need to align ourselves with some of these standards if we are in an educational setting. We need to show that we can make a difference on those and uh, embed our, our discipline within the regular education discipline also to meet the standards that are being touted. But that's another subject. So <laughs> anyway, we were talking about research, let's say. Much music therapy research in, in the area of the effects of music and social interaction. I did a study on inclusion, whether music can enhance social interaction among children with their typical peers and between typical and special needs peers. Jane Hughes and uh, Brenda Robbins have also done work on that field, and there were others involved in that study also. And of course, uh, there have been studies by Gunsberg, did work on improvised musical play with young children, music and whole language. Cindy Colwell's done some work on the positive influence of music and whole language. Hibben had a study, and I was looking this up for you, and I wasn't aware of this study about how the effect that music has when you share music with families across generations. What a powerful force that is for family cohesiveness. Colleagues working in medical settings are doing a lot of research, too. I do want to mention the work of Sherry Robb because not only she has done research in the hospital setting, she's also 
also done a lot of work on stress reduction with young children, and that has really strong ramifications for those of us who are working in early intervention, too. Jane Stanley has a book out on uh, music and premature infants. Their weight gain can go up, and they can be released from hospitals earlier when they are exposed to music in the nursery. So, And, of course, your studies. You're doing some wonderful work about collaborative consultation. Why don't you jump in and tell me about your work? <laughs> All right. The series of single case studies I conducted demonstrates the effectiveness of embedded music therapy interventions in improving the independent performance of young children on the autism spectrum during challenging routines in an inclusive childcare program. Through individualized song interventions, adding a music outdoor center to the playground and providing staff development activities, and the application of teacher and peer-mediated strategies, children with autism acquired new skills and improved in key deficit areas of autism, such as transitioning from home to school, following multiple step tasks, and social interactions with peers on the childcare playground. I think overall these studies support the contemporary model of service delivery in early childhood education and show that the collaborative consultative approach is effective in enabling teachers to implement interventions successfully in ongoing childcare routines. How can we improve our involvement in the field of early intervention? Well, we need to do more research. That goes without saying. And in so doing, we'll become more of a credible therapy in the eyes of other professions. We need to sell ourselves to other professionals and other professions. And also we need to learn from other professionals. We need to take advantage of any in-service training that's out there. We need to take advantage of learning all we can about methodologies that affect the children or the individuals with whom we work. Uh, things like learning about Greenspan's floor time or the Miller method of autism, an elevated square or the ABA approach or uh, there are countless, I don't mean to be exclusive here, there are just countless different philosophies, methodologies and techniques that uh, our colleagues in early education can teach us much and to become good and valuable team members we need to be aware of what's going on and we need to be on the same page. What is in store for the future? What is your vision? Where are we going to be in the next five or ten years? I hope we have some legislation that gives us some funding for our um, services. Uh, that will open the doors to a lot more sites, a lot more programs, a lot more jobs, and a lot more, of course, the bottom line is the benefit to the children. We're already seeing that music is being recognized as a wonderful avenue for young children, and I suspect that will continue to increase. I'd like to see, like I said, Music Therapist List as a relayed service, and I'd like to see us recognized due to highly respected research. Is there a word of encouragement you would like to give to fellow music therapists in the field of early intervention? I think I'd say try it and you'll like it because it's very different. You cannot leave a day of work with young children and not have a smile on your face. It's very rewarding. It can be very heartbreaking when you are with a family who finally realizes and accepts that uh, their child is different, may have significant special needs. Sometimes you are there as the hand holder, and sometimes you're there to say, but you can still sing and rock with your child, and you still love your child, and your child still loves you, and this is a way you can share good experiences together. 
it's an exciting field to be in. It's a joyous field to be in with working with these little ones and their families. And I really feel that we're making a difference in this age group. Thank you very much, Marsha. Mm, you're welcome. So, for your all your insights and knowledge. And well, it was an honor to nice. do this. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Imagine podcast produced in 2010.